Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Today, we're fortunate to have three very special guests. ALOM President and CEO, Hannah Kane, ALOM Vice President of Supply Chain Strategy, Lisa Dolan, and ALOM Director of Operations, Eunice Lobo. These three ALOM executives have been recognized by Supply and Demand Chain Executive as the winners of 2022 Supply Chain Pros to Know, which recognizes outstanding executives whose accomplishments offer a roadmap for other leaders looking to leverage supply chain for competitive advantage. SDCE received over 360 nominations this year, the highest number ever. Thank you all for being here today. I'm super excited to chat with you. Hi, Jennifer. Uh, I'm super excited too. It's fantastic to be here and with all the pros to know. Thank you, Jen. Really good to be on board. Let's kick off the podcast chatting about what excites you about the future of supply chain and what you envision over the next few years as being really big things to watch out for. Lisa, do you want to kick it off? Sure. I'm super excited about where the supply chain industry is going in regards to technology and the tools that are suddenly available to us that we didn't have years ago. And so it's just amazing to see it come to fruition and see those advances. And how about you, Hannah? What do you think? Oh, I'm, uh, of course, agreeing with Lisa. When we look at supply chains over the last decade, we have made supply chains more and more complex. And because of that complexity, technology has actually fallen behind. So we are right now working without being able to have the tools to really manage them. And that is causing a lot of the problems that supply chain professionals are facing today. We have limited visibility. We have very limited ability to predict the future. And we cannot deal with the variability that's built into supply chains right now. So if there's a silver lining to the pandemic and to the supply chain crisis that was accelerated by the pandemic, it's really that there's so high investments in technology. Eunice, what are you excited about right now with the supply chain and then looking forward? What really excites me about supply chain is that it is an ever-changing environment. There's never a dull moment. You need to be very agile in your decision-making process. You need to stay on top and connected with technology and with different business standards and practices so that you can be current. And what I'm really excited about is the power of the people that work in supply chain, the ability to be nimble and the ability to understand what do we need to do in order to make our customers happy. 
It's fun to be in supply chain because there's so much variability and so much change going all the time. Seeing all the changes, being part of that, and sometimes, fortunately, I've had the privilege of being at the forefront of some of those changes. And that has been really exciting. And I think those changes are going to continue for decades. It makes it a very attractive field to be in. It's so dynamic right now, and it always has been, but now it's even more dynamic. And so I think anyone who gets into this field is really in for some fun challenges, but it makes it that much more enjoyable, really solving those complex problems. I think for young people coming into the field, the thought of, oh, I'm going to do the same thing over and over the next 40 years has got to be not very exciting. And that's the thing we can almost promise anybody in supply chain. It's going to be very exciting, very dynamic. Absolutely. It's never a boring moment in supply chain. There's always activity. Exactly. I mean, it is so fulfilling when you have something that no one else has touched before and you've got to deliver it in oftentimes unrealistic timeframes and being able to work with a team of professionals who really know how to get the job done and do it well is just so fulfilling on a day-to-day basis. Each one of you has chosen to focus on something different within the industry. So Lisa, you're focused on supply chain strategy and working with customers for these customized solutions. Hannah, you've decided very early on to found your own company and to really bring a different perspective and a different offering to the entire industry. And Eunice, you are focused on operations, on quality, and just really making things happen. And so I'm curious about why each of you chose those specialties and what you enjoy about them. You want to start first, Eunice? So I did not intend it to be in supply chain. <laughs> I actually wanted to become a, an industry engineer, and that's what I studied first. And when I finished my career, I got connected with a woman that worked in supply chain. And long after, she hired me. And I started working in that industry. And that's where I really got passionate about it because of the differences that I was seeing in the different industries and how much I could help and learn on a day-to-day basis. So that drove me into this direction. And from then on, I started working in different areas within the supply chain. And I just kept being energized and and really happy about the direction my career was taking. And now I'm uh, a fan of, of what we do. How about you, Lisa? Well, I I know you started off in IT or computer programming. I did. I started out in programming. And then when I finished school, I moved away from home and got into town and in California and was introduced to a supply chain organization and immediately fell in love with just the dynamics of everything that's involved. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of diversity in supply chain. There was not a lot of diversity or a lot of diversity of thought. And that's why I really love where technology is going in supply chain. And one of the reasons that I started to work with Hannah was her vision for supply chain and where technology can take us. I think it is an incredible field for young folks to look at. It is very dynamic. One bit of advice that I would give for individuals 
thinking about supply chain or who are just starting their career in supply chain is to experiment and work in all of the different areas and, and get a feel for what you love. Because when you find your niche, it's just amazing. And Hannah, of course, I'm very curious about your path to supply chain, because I know that you started out as a very young girl wanting to be an entrepreneur before you knew what that word meant. But I doubt that you even at that point knew what supply chain meant either. Supply chain was not really a word when I grew up. I've always been very fascinated by physical products, producing and delivering physical products. And I've been equally as fascinated by the technology, by the data. And so when I moved to Silicon Valley, I had this instant feeling of this is where home is. Other people who were thinking about technology solutions and data to solve the problems. I grew up in an environment where business and business processes were discussed over the dining table. And so combining those Three things in the physical, the digital, and the financial supply chain really has been a thrill. I love the entire people aspect, building teams, elevating teams, seeing everybody grow. I love uh, that we are solving problems for our clients, and especially here during COVID, where we have had the privilege of being part of the solution to the pandemic and creating medical COVID test kits and other medical products that are critical to solving the pandemic. And of course, coming up with really elegant technology solutions to some of the supply chain problems that are plaguing corporate America right now. And so I think sharing that data information and also working with our clients to make them really successful in the marketplace during these uh, very challenging times have been a really fulfilling uh, mission to be working on these days. One of the things that pro to know, Brandon Murug has said in the past that what he loves about his job is that he feels like he's working for several different companies because you're figuring out how to help them accomplish their goals for each customer that ALAM has. Can you talk a little bit about that, Lisa? Do you feel that you're working for multiple different companies? Absolutely. We are so entrenched within our customer base that I, I really feel that it's my mission to drive home what they need us to do and produce. And so we become a part of their team. Oftentimes we're invited in to very private meetings that are typically only employee allowed meetings. And so they look at ALOM and our team as a part of their team and a critical part of their team. So Eunice, that would probably lead into why each day is different because you are working with so many different companies and so many different programs and different objectives for each one of them. So obviously that contributes to the excitement of each day and having a lot of different programs and different things, different responsibilities. It does. And it makes not only the day to day different, it makes the hour to hour different because things can rapidly change. We can get a request from a customer that is urgent. And our purpose in operations is to be that 
customer premier, one-stop strategic supply chain partner. Right? We want to make sure that we are providing everything that the customer needs. And that is not only one customer, that is multiple customers. So you need to learn about what's important for them. What is their purpose? Why are they trying to fulfill this need for the customer? And then you need to react with the same passion they are so that you can meet their expectations and then fulfill their customer expectations. And that ties up into our vision, which is we want to be that center of excellence in supply chain operations. And we work every day in different aspects of this so that we can provide that customer satisfaction. And that's what makes it so exciting. And I really correlate with what Lisa said. It's we get to know so many of our customers and so much of them that at certain point, you actually know what is it that the customer wants and is asking for, even without really talking to them. You know what is important. And that's the kind of relationship we want to have with our customers so that we can really supply what they need. They really rely on us to deliver to their customers. We're that final leg and and we are a reflection of who they are. And so it's really critical that we are enmeshed with our customers and feel like we're a part of their team every day. We have some basic, very stringent processes that allow us to maintain quality levels, but then we have different service levels and different goals for each customer. And in the end, that makes us really run 50 different businesses. And it's part of the complexity of what we are doing as we are customizing each product stream, each data stream, and each financial stream to each customer. We have those three streams. We've got 50 customers. And of course, we've got our own underlying processes. So it's never a boring day at ALAM. So I have a quick question for everybody. Do you feel, would you describe yourselves as adrenaline junkies? <laughs> That's a very good one. I, I think that you need to be, you if you like supply chain, you like that ever-changing environment. And if you happen to be in a different situation, you really get bored with it because definitely you need to be really agile in your day-to-day. So you need that kind of energy and that again energizes you. So I confess I am. <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh. I wake up and I'm thankful that I'm in the field that I'm in because I don't feel like I have a job. It's just amazing. And yeah, I mean, it, it just gets the blood going in the morning when you got to do different things and it's never the same day twice. I think I used to be a little bit more. I think now I'm just enjoying the challenge and I know that my staff will be able to meet that challenge at a fantastic level. So I'm also thinking I, I'm very much into planning and I think planning and and risk management is a big part of the Elam culture. So if we're saying we are adrenaline junkies, I think we may be given the wrong impression because we are very much about planning and mitigating everything. But in the environment we are in right now, you're still going to be blindsided. None of us had imagined that we would have the impact that we are seeing from Russia all of a sudden starting a war. And so there are lots of curveballs being thrown all the time when you're in supply chain. And I think we thrive on 
finding the solutions. It's not like we are running into, okay, how can we create more adrenaline for ourselves? I think the situation really requires you to have that level of dedication and commitment that you are going to come to. And sometimes that requires some adrenaline and very strong drive. But that's the type of staff that we have at ALAM. Let's talk a little bit about predictions and looking into the crystal ball. For each one of you, I'm curious about what your prediction is for the future of supply chain and also as we move forward and look into next year and the year after, how you think they're going to be addressed. Hannah, do you want to start? Yes. So when I look at the next years, we are going to still have quite a bit of upheaval. Really big area that we need to consider is all the physical constraints. So we have the port constraints where, especially in the U.S., we just have way too little port capacity. We have grown the population by 30% over the last 30 years. And especially on the West Coast, we have uh, not grown the port capacity. So we are seeing a little bit of improvement right now as we are talking here, but that's a temporary reprieve as we are coming out of both the Chinese New Year and port closures in China. So I predict that the port situation is not going to substantially uh, normalize over the next 10 years. It's going to be a continuous problem. Then I'm seeing things like the trucking crisis and a number of other areas that actually may become worse than it is now. It's not going to be the pandemic is over and now supply chain is back to where they were in 2019. This is a long-term trend that has some areas that may get better, such as the pandemic disruptions, and some that frankly make it worse. And so I think hoping that now it will get better and sitting and waiting it out is not a good strategy. What is a good strategy is risk mitigation, looking at the constraints. It's hiring really great people and solving many of these problems using technology. So I see challenges ahead in supply chain. And if you thrive on challenges, uh, certainly the next five or 10 years are going to be very interesting in supply chain. Who wants to take it next? Eunice, Lisa? A lot of industries are realizing the value of data. And there is lots of data in the different industries, in the different sectors, and in, in what we do. And I don't believe we're using the data to the extent it needs to be used. And people are starting to realize the value of that. So we've battled for, as a supply chain in general, for a very long time with, for example, forecasting. And there's opportunities for companies to interconnect all the way down to the point of sale when we can actually retrieve good data that can help us predict and can help us level load capacity and that can help us plan for shipping and many other aspects within the supply chain. And that data is there. It's just that I think that it's not being used to the extent uh, that it needs to be used. And there's a lot of value in it so that we can take more precise decisions that are good for the business, good for the customers, and in general for the entire supply chain. And what I love about 
the supply chain and this disruption that we've been in for the last couple of years is that it's given every person individually and every company a pause. It made us all take a step back and say, hey, maybe we should be doing things differently. And so I do think in the future, it's not going to be, as Hannah said, a fast fix for anything. But I think what's going to happen is we're going to right shore a little bit better and we'll be manufacturing closer to the markets we need to serve, which will help alleviate some of the issues in in the ports and more and more starting to take a look at where's the raw materials coming from. And that whole risk mitigation aspect is just going to play a bigger and bigger role as well as the data. If we think about consumers now and their greater understanding of supply chain, what role do you think consumers and consumer expectations and then consumer attitudes are going to play in changing the supply chain? I think consumers are going to demand to know where their products are being manufactured and are they being manufactured in good standing? And so consumers are starting to have a very big role, especially with social media and the younger generation. You know, people care where they're buying their products from now. It makes a difference and there is a social impact all the way through the supply chain. And because of these disruptions and the fact that more is coming to light as to where things are being manufactured. What do you think, Eunice? I do agree 100% with Lisa. I think that is the behavior that we've seen in all the customers or most of the customers. We're being more conscious about the environment also, for example, making sure that They are partnering with the company that also takes care of the environment, whereas manufacturer who is manufacturing and also that they're caring for the environment and the future generations. And that's something that we need to take very seriously, that what we do has a positive impact in all the different aspects that we are engaged on. So uh, the environment also becomes very critical. Hannah? I think consumers have two different roles right now that we should think about. One is the strong movement of I want something where I want it, how I want it. And so there has been this big channel shift in where consumers want to buy things. And there's also more of spikes and sometimes driven by social media. And so the demand has become less predictable it's a very interesting trend. Uh, I look forward to when the different predictive analysis can hit us where we can see based on what's going on in social media and other places, what is the demand really going to be. But certainly both the channel shift and the certain changes in demand have a big impact on everybody who's producing or shipping goods. And so it increases the need for instantaneous reaction to what's going on in the marketplace. The other one, both Eunice and Lisa touched or spoke about, which is the strong consumer sentiment that it's not just enough that we produce a good product. We also need to produce it in the right way and overall have good social governance. I'm really tickled about this trend. 
It's something we started many years ago, again, before it became fashionable. Our sustainability program is a very mature program. We have been working for years on building sustainability into our supply chain and our practices. Of course, corporate social responsibility is not just sustainability. It's also the social issues. We have worked with underprivileged groups. We are very embedded in the community. And so it's very aligned with the values that we have around how to do business. And I am tickled to see that now consumer sentiments around these issues have become so strong that supply chains have started to adjust. And I am totally endorsing it. What is the most surprising thing that is happening in the supply chain industry today? Lisa, do you want to kick that off? Sure. I was shocked at how underprepared so many organizations were when disruption did hit. We've been talking about this for years and the fact that we were underprepared in the ports and the infrastructure and no one could see that freight train coming. And so that to me is still mind boggling that so many organizations just got hit so hard. Eunice, what surprises you? Well, in operations, there's two things. One, the ability of our people to remain strong through the pandemic. So we worked every single day of supply chain had to be in the office and had to be in the warehouse. And every single person that worked with me was there and we were caring for each other and we were supporting the business. That was something that really impressed me on the positive side. And then on the other side, it was having the product ready and limited carrier capacity to deal with our volume. That was very shocking. Trying to get more carriers to jump on board and get our product because they were also being affected. Uh, I think that really hurt at a certain point where we were not getting all that we needed to send that product out to the customers. That was very shocking during that time. Hannah, did anything shock you? What really surprised me was the speed at which everything came at us. The geopolitics became very complex over the last year. So it was a speed more than any given single item. And so that surprised me. I'd never, I didn't see the speed with which we were getting into trouble. I didn't see that coming. But then supply chain all of a sudden over the last couple of years became a household item. And people, to some extent, understand supply chain and all the news media, hired supply chain journalists, etc., And what's really surprising to me now is when I'm in social context and I say I work in supply chain, people look at me almost hatefully. Uh, Like I created all these supply chain problems. And so that's a very new, new thing. And that has really surprised me. And we're going to have to do some reputation management. Yeah, we're the new lawyers now. We're definitely the new lawyers. (laughs) That is is so crazy. I mean, I can totally see that happening. The average consumer doesn't have a sense of where all this trouble is coming from or the disruptions. All they know is that they can't get what they want when they need it. And so someone has to be the scapegoat. Honestly, Hannah, when you were telling me that whenever you talk to people in a social situation and you tell them that you work in supply chain, I thought you were going to say that they hugged you. So last question, if you could change one thing about supply chain today, what would it be? Who wants to go first? 
Shall I do it alphabetically, Eunice? I love it. So one thing that I can change of supply chain, I think it will be better use of data. Um, We don't need to be paralyzed by analyzing the data, right? Because that could be a pitfall, but definitely something that we need to realize and use and our decision making process should be always be backed up with data. So sometimes I see that some individuals might be taking decisions without even looking at the data in the overall industry. And that is a huge mistake. I think we need to be more data-driven in our day-to-day decision-making in operations. Okay, Hannah? I cannot choose one thing. There's so many things we need to be out there (laughs) fixing. But uh, let me start with some really key areas. People. We know we are going to be 2 million people short in supply chain over the next 5 to 10 years. We are going to be 4 million people short in manufacturing over the next 10 years. This is in the U.S. alone. We need to get more young people to consider supply chain and manufacturing careers. We need to elevate everybody we have on staff. Everybody needs to collaborate to close these gaps. The next one is technology, and Eunice already spoke about the data, and I think uh, there's a lot of other technologies that we need to deploy, and part of that is also mitigating that uh, shortfall in talent and staffing that I just covered. And then we need to have an environment that's more conducive to doing international business. Listen, we have uh, global supply chains, but we've got too many obstacles, not enough standards, a lot of difficulties working globally, and that is a big issue for everybody. And then, of course, the entire infrastructure, especially in the U.S. We need to rebuild. We need to reinvest. I know money was already set aside for some of those investments, but we are very late to the party and we very much need to accelerate that. Okay, Lisa, how about you? What would you change? Certainly everything that Eunice and Hannah spoke about. And I would add that I would change the cost and price mentality, both of consumers and corporations today, because sometimes it costs more to do things right. And so if we're not constantly chasing the cheapest labor, the the cheapest components, and we start to do things that make sense for where we're trying to get the products to, I think that would go a long way on a lot of levels. I think that's really a great addition to what Eunice and Hannah had to say. I mean, all those things. Where is our magic wand? Where well, We just need to find that magic wand and wave it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to ALOM.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.